This is a conversation with Matt Boone. Matt is the CEO and owner of Sales Sniper and 7th Level and also multiple other businesses too. He's a very, very switched on guy. I've known Matt for quite some time now, both a personal and on a business level. He's a really, really awesome guy. But the reason why I got him on is because he's just so successful. He's been in the Special Armed Services, the SAS here in, in Australia, and he's traveled around the world fighting in multiple different wars. He's also came back from that to build up what I believe is one of the most phenomenal companies going around. It's one of the world's fastest growing companies, which is seventh level and also sales sniper. But the, the main reason, the thing that I really like about what Matt does as opposed to just being a regular businessman is he actually really gives a shit about his team. And the way that he leads is exemplary. And I had to get him onto this because if you're someone who is running a business, you want to be more successful. You want to be successful in multiple areas of your life and you want to be a better leader you need to learn from this guy just from the way that he thinks and also in the way that he acts. It's absolutely exemplary and I hope that you get a lot out of this episode. So let's just jump into it. Thanks for coming on, man. Pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah, good to have you here. It's always a pleasure to have the CEO of one of the world's fastest or one of the US's fastest growing companies join little old me. Yeah, little old James Kent. Nothing little about you. <laughs> Man, I want to get you on because you're a fucking savage. You've already had Sackle on. And like, I really, I really want to it's get you on. Good to have the contrast. <laughs> yeah. So for you guys who are listening, so we interviewed James a couple of weeks back and, and James uh, runs a lot of the operations for Sales Sniper, the company these guys are involved in. And Matt is the visionary of the company and does comes up with all the crazy ideas and tells James to go implement them. Is that about right? Yeah, sort of. I think he probably plays slightly more of a, a slightly more uh, instrumental role than what it's been illustrated here, but fuck him. Right? <laughs> He's my coffee bitch. That's the best thing I can say about him. <laughs> yeah, so, dude, like one thing I'd, I'd love to like start off with you is like, because you, you had a really, really super interesting past. Like, you came from special forces into PTing, into gyms, into sales, into now like running, like CEOing and, and having multiple companies that you're involved in. Like, can you run us through the start? Like why you actually went into special forces in the first place? I saw a photo of a guy that was hanging on the side of a building, dressed all in black, doing these ones. I was like, oh, that seems like a fucking cool job. And then I was in, I lived in the States. So I have like this distinct memory of 9-11 when I was in 11th grade, I think. I was either in 11th, it might have been 11th or 12th grade. And I was like, ah, fuck those guys. (laughs) And then, uh, so yeah, then when I got out, I went into like, my parents were like, no, don't join the military. I was going to join straight out of high school. And then they were like, no, give this whole university thing a crack. So I went to University of Miami. Uh, It was like pre-med. And then from there, did like six months of it, was like, this is fucking shit. True that. Like, and I was like, this is not for me. And then went to join the Marines. Friend of mine from the SAS called me up and was like, hey, don't join the Marines. Or I was going to go into the Marine Force Recon, now called MARSOC. But uh, yeah, and then joined uh, an Australian direct recruiting to Special Forces scheme. So I never wanted to go Special Forces. I didn't want to be like regular infantry. I there's anything wrong with that. But it's what I wanted to do. And then there was a pathway for me to get there very quickly. Why special so, forces? But just honestly, there's no other reason. And that's really fucking cool. That's it. I was like 17, 18, 19 years old. You know what I mean? I was like, that looks like a cool job. Sit on the movies, fucking kicking doors and shooting terrorists in the face. Like it seems like a good thing to do. Also, I had a really easy upbringing. And so like I had this constant and persistent question in the back of my head. I wondered if I was a pussy. 
there was no real way to like test that theory. You know, I was like, man, I wonder if I'm a pussy. God, that would suck. Did you find the answer to that question? No, I'm not a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> so how it was, was reality? I've killed way too many people to be a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Fair call. Not many people could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So how did your expectations and, and reality, like compared to reality, like how was that? When you're in the uh, in horses, that's a good question. I, I probably didn't. It matched some and didn't match others. You know, I think like I ended up finishing up in snipers. I mean, I really wanted that was my initial goal. Was like I remember going to recruiting and being like, "Hey, like I want to be this exact guy. Who's that guy?" And he was like, "Oh, he's a tactical assault group sniper." And I was like, "Sweet, how do I do that?" And he's like, "Well, like that's kind of a tough one." I was like, "Okay, like what's the pathway?" He goes to do this, he does this. I was like, sweet, sign a paper, let's go. Like Why do you want to be that guy? It's just like, there's no, no better reason. It looked really fucking cool in a magazine, right? And I was like, I feel like that would be a cool place to be. It's like the top of the top of the top, you know? And I was like, fuck, like, let's go there. And then I signed up there and then did all my testing, got rejected the first time because I had a knee reconstruction when I was 16. So they rejected me based on that. So then I had to reapply and get all of my medical history and go through this test. And I got accepted. Because uh, you got a parachute, right? As part of the role. So they were like, you can't parachute because your knee's fucked. And I was like, nah, it's good to go. So yeah, and then went in and then pretty much went through and, and did the did the whole thing. And then got into, you can't go straight to snipers. You have to be like selected to go to snipers and you got to do sniper school and all that kind of stuff. I did the first year sort of in like semi-infantry and like paratroopers. And then from there transitioned over to special forces because I got a little bit injured in training. So I had to like wait for the next intake. Right. Then from there, did the intake, passed everything. And then over the course of the next couple of years, became sniper and all that kind of good stuff. How many of your major decisions in your life have you made of that because of, oh, fuck, that looks really cool? Almost all of them, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so, well, why is it that I bought a $30,000 really- coaching program last night while I was going for a jog because I saw the YouTube ad and I was like, fuck, that guy's good at YouTube ads. And he's like, I teach people how to do YouTube ads. And I happened to know the guy who does the sales. Called him up while I was going for a run, bought a 30K coaching program. So I was like, ah, seems like a cool guy to work with. Let's, uh, let's chat to him. Seems how like does, a good idea. How does that sort Because that's a bit, it's a very specific mentality you've got towards it, which is pretty much, fuck it. This looks fun. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Have there been times where it hasn't paid off for you? No, I don't think so. As in, like, I don't think in the long run, I think I think it's always paid run. off in the long run. I think there's been times where in the short run, it's been the most difficult course of action. Like, I just constantly put myself, but I like that. I like being, like, I was talking to guys the other day, we had, like, heaps of cash flow, we had lots of money in the bank, and I was like, man, we should probably, this is going to be comfortable. <laughs> we should probably figure out a way to burn some money like that. We bought two 30K programs in a week and a 12 and a half. Why do you dislike comfort? Just feel like it's a breeding ground of mediocrity, James. That's a good point. It fucking is, though. Yeah, man. Sitting there and watching this comfortable and you're fucking snuggy eating Oreos, watching The Bachelor. Someone might knock on your door and you're fucking too comfortable to, to get up and be like, oh, it's all right. I'm just fucking. You know, someone calls your phone, your phone's over on the kitchen bench. You're like, oh, it's all right. I'm fucking, they're just going to voicemail. You know what I mean, what, that could what have been do you the call. Why do you feel that most people, because uh, uh, in, in your opinion too, I know you can't answer this definitely, but in your opinion, why do you feel that most people are so comfortable being comfortable? I think like a lot of people, I don't think it's a bad thing because I think like there needs to be, the world needs to be full of a diverse type of person. If the world was full of people like me and you, it'd be a fucking nightmare. It'd be horrible. 
Like it'd be horrible because like we're like super itchy feet, just like to go, 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 try stuff, do stuff, fuck it, YOLO. Like if that's how fucking government was run, be no bueno. Like, no bueno. We didn't have any fucking roads. The roads would get so far and they just stop and they'd branch out. And all they get about 200 meters and then we'd yeah. probably do something else. Yeah. They'd be purple, some shit. I don't know. It's only a good idea at the time. That'd be a cool road. I'd drive <laughs> on that road. <laughs> exactly. I bet you would drive on the purple road, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I think, like, it's not a bad thing. It's a thing, right? And I think I became really okay with who I am as a person, like, a long time ago. And I'm like, hey, man, like, I like me. I'm really good to my friends. I'm really good to my family try to do the best thing for everybody and I try to be fair to everything. And so like, I don't need to change who I am, but I also don't want to like put my own wants, needs and ambitions on other people because it's unfair. Totally. You know? And was I, there a I time where you thought you were weird for that? Well, no, this is a funny story, right? About a month ago, every, 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 every single, I've always thought I knew, always knew that I could like be a billionaire, hmm. right? Not thought, New. So I used to drive past like $100 million houses and be like, oh, I can't wait to buy that house. Right. And so, like, me and my wife, after every date night, we go down to a place called Point Piper. Right. Probably know it. There's called Billionaire's Row. There's not a single piece of real estate that's less than $100 million. Right. Not a single one. And I was like, fuck, I can't wait to buy one of these houses like that. And I thought everybody till a month ago, I just assumed that was how people were. Like, you just think, fuck, man, like that will be that, not that would be great, that will be great. Right. And like, I was talking to my wife and then she was like, so crazy that you think that way. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, that you think you can do that. You know, you can do that. I'm like, you don't, you don't. She's like, no, she's like, no one does. I was like, what? (laughs) It's like, that's fucking insane. Like, I remember seeing that photo when I was a kid, seeing that guy fucking snipered up and being all cool as shit. And I was like, fuck, I'll do that. And then like, I just had this like realization, actually my mentor, Barry, or like one of my mentors, he had a real good chat with me because like I, sometimes I have a tendency to get very frustrated at people for not doing the things they should do, what I think that they should do. Right. Uh, But I'm super ambitious. Like I'm a very ambitious person. And so he was like, your ambition is a great trait of yours, but it's also like, you can't put it on other people. Like you'll go through life forever angry that people haven't made the same decisions as you. Some people are just happy where they are. Why does it piss you off that some people aren't as ambitious as you? It doesn't, but I, because I didn't realize everyone, it it doesn't now, but I didn't realize everybody else didn't think the same way I did. It's like, I don't know, like you don't have kids, but like when you talk to like a a three-year-old, they assume they can, you can hear their internal monologue. Yeah. They don't know the difference between internal and external, right? And Mm. so like I was assuming everybody thought the same way I did, Mm. right? And so like the, the actions were so baffling to me because they would say, I want to get $2 million a month in my business, but like none of their actions actually convey that. But then I, I think back and go, ah, oh, they like the idea of it. They don't actually want it. Mm. But like, why do I give a fuck? Like, why do I care? Do but I want, totally man. get that, life. man. Yeah. Uh, living in our line of work, we see guys not doing shit that they should do every single day. You know, it's the reason why I have a job. I firmly believe that every if every single guy did what he wanted, like if he had an idea, he wanted to be a billionaire, he wanted to be a sniper, he wanted to go and get jacked and shredded, and he actually just went and did the actions to take that. I don't think I'd have a job. Like, no mm. way. I think it's no. a really, really big thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think people make, you know, every, and everyone's got their foibles. Like, no one's perfect. Like, I'm not... I'm nowhere near as driven when it comes to working out and eating healthy as you are, obviously. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like everyone's got different drivers for different reasons and different things and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I think just a lot of people don't know where they're going, you know? 
They never sit down. And I think the finite people, like one of my favorite quotes that they say in sales all the time, and that is from Buddha, which is the problem is you think you have time. People think that they have a long time. They have time to do stuff. And I think like I spent my whole 20s getting shot at, going to funerals, carrying bodies out, picking up fucking limbs of my best friends and like, going, fuck, well, we just don't have the time. So like, I'm not going to like, fuck, like I was listening to a sales call. One of my guys is a nine tour Marsoc. Marsoc is Marine Special Forces in the U.S., he did nine tours, right? And he's on a sales call and he was going through kind of like an urgency reframe. And he was just like, you know, the reason why I act the way I do is because I know I don't have time. Similar to what I just said, right? He's like, so I'm not going to spit on the graves of my friends by not doing everything that I need to do. <laughs> right? I was like, whoo, he went fucking dark. I was like that. So he saw a real estate agent. So fuck it. Real estate agents don't, don't buy shit. I thought you were say because they're bad people. No, no, they're great people. They're just, they are like, they're the industry. It's really funny, right? Let's say, how much do you think like done for you marketing for a full year of lead generation and somebody setting the appointments for you into your diary? How much would that cost if it was fitness? 50, 100 grand for the year? Something like that, yeah. Guess how much it costs in real estate? 50, 100? Max, max five grand for the whole year. Kidding. Nope. Because real estate agents, and if you're listening there, you are the joke of the industry in sales that nobody likes to sell real estate agents because they never take action on anything. That's why 0.2% of real estate agents make all the money. That's why you have your Ryan Sir hands versus yeah. average yeah. guys. And I, and I do sales for Ryan Sir. I know the guy really well. I speak to him all the time. That guy's a fucking savage. That guy just says, yes. He keeps like, he's like, he's my age, 37 years old. He's made something like $200 million this year, right? That's net. He's made far more than that gross. But, mm. and like he has his vision of where he wants to be in 10 years in his right hand pocket. And his only decision making metric is doesn't make me closer. Mm. That's it. Does it yeah. get me closer? I do it. Mm. And he'll just back himself to figure the rest out. Yeah, gotcha. So the clarity is key. So okay. So then with, with guys who you've worked with, like obviously not everyone, like you got like 72 guys in the sales sniper, right? Yeah, right. And so, out of that, obviously, not everyone came to you with like a rock solid, like crystal clear vision of where they wanted to be. But when they start working with you, they end up really super highly motivated. They don't fuck around. If they fuck around, they're out type thing. So, it's like, how do you get them to take action and to not bullshit and to get stuff done and execute at a very high level? I mean, that's difficult, right? We try and put a lot of structures in place, accountability structures. And like, I think when people are seeing other people doing it, like, I think if you have from the same team as Michael Jordan or Kobe, mm. like you're immediately kind of pulled up to like some semblance of their level, yeah, you know, because you're seeing the amount of work and effort and all that kind of stuff they put in. And we have a few Kobe's like we have where we're lucky enough to have guys who are really, really good at what they do, like super high functioning guys you know, guys who have incomes of fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a month, right? As single fucking dudes, right? Which is, which is stupid. So, and they just make phone calls. <laughs> One of my guys is just buying a new Aston Martin. I was like, yeah. which so, one? Uh, Will. Yeah. Or oh, which yeah. Aston Martin? I don't know. Just an Aston Martin, still One fucking expensive. Yeah, nice car. Good on him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spent two years coaching him how to get out of debt. Moment he happens, he buys Aston Martin. Smart move. Savage. 
<laughs> I was like, why don't we put some in stocks and buy it, right? <laughs> you do you, buddy. It's actually a stage that everyone needs to go through when you start having like a lot of excess money. Like there's a stage of like, YOLO, because like it's like you've spent your whole life only eating broccoli and then all of a sudden somebody introduces chocolate to you. And Is that a net positive like, oh. or net negative? I don't know. I think like, I think it's okay. You know what I mean? I think like you've worked really hard to achieve a level of success. You now have a level of comfort and abundance in your life. And I think like allowing yourself, as long as you actively know that it's a process and it can be temporary, allowing yourself to splurge and be a little bit fucking silly. I just don't see a problem with it. You know what I mean? Like, I think as long as you have people around you that can rein you in, be like, hey, man, all right, you've had your fun now. Let's get back on track and get serious and start spending some balls and that kind of stuff. You know, like Marco makes a fucking ton of money, right? So like he's we're having him mentored. And it's like that person's like, this is how much money you can spend on Gucci shoes. Guy fucking loves Gucci and Balenciaga. It's fucking all he just drapes himself in designer. He fucking loves it. Right. But he has like a set budget that he can spend on it every month. That's his fun fund. And everything else goes into stocks, investments, property. You know what I mean? Education, courses, savings, right? So it's like, sweet. But like when he first started to get money, he'd been making 50 grand a year since he was 20 years old. Mm. Now all of a sudden he's making 600 grand a year, 700 mm. grand a year. He's like, fuck man, like you've worked hard. You can go do stuff. He doesn't have a driver's license, so he can't buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> so he can't buy an Aston Martin. He can buy one and just sit in his garage, like most Aston Martins anyway. Exactly. So yeah, yeah I think like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, you get jacked for the first time and then you spend the rest next year with your shirt off. Totally. Well, what do you splurge on? Camera gear, for sure. But all my, all my splurging is work-related. I allow my wife to buy nearly whatever she wants, mm. right? Because like, for me, I get more pleasure out of like her buying what she wants. Me. I don't give a fuck. Mm. Like I have a couple of nice watches, but like there's pretty few. I do just one watch I want to buy, but it's like 50 grand. It's, I just... It's be tough for me to know how much money I have. You know what I mean? To like, that's just a lot of money for a watch. <laughs> like, yeah, it is a lot of money for a watch. It's a lot of money for a watch. And you know what's funny is that you'll still tell the time on your phone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've got a Rolex on. I think it's wrong. It is. It's wrong. Two hours <laughs> off. This is what I don't get, right? Is I'm I'm not material. I'm probably too not materialistic, right? It's probably actually to my detriment sometimes that I just don't fucking care. But one thing I don't get is why is it that some people, like what the fuck is the value in a watch when you go and like use a phone anyway? I like the craftsmanship that goes into the nitty gritty of a watch. I've mm. always liked watches. I appreciate horology, the mm. complications within the watch, all that kind of stuff. Like I would like to have a really complicated Vacheron Constantine Grand Turbion $400,000 watch. Like I would... Mm. I would like to have that because, you know, just you have a look at the engineering. A tourbillon is designed to stop the gears being affected by gravity. Mm. Like, that's fucking genius. Some dude years and years ago just threw a whole bunch of gears in a microscope, fucking doing these ones, figured out how to have a watch not affected by gravity, turning it up and down. Because when your hand moves, it moves at different speeds, which means gravity affects a different way, which is time distortion. All that kind of stuff is fucking genius. You can get watches that, like, will be correct for 5,000 years on a mm. single wind. Like, that is madness. And mm. I just think that's cool. That's what I like about it. I like the, the engineering that goes into it, which is why I, like, I would never buy an expensive quartz watch, like a battery-operated expensive watch. Like you can buy $10,000 tags that are fucking a battery run. It's like well, you might as well just buy a Casio. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's what I like about it. And and the other thing I like is, yeah, probably I like, I like cars too, but they're right off. Right. Yeah. 
<laughs> somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. So what are your next moves in business, man? Well, I think yeah, the big one that I'm doing is like building a team super robust for, to where I can be quite creative. Mm. Sort of the acquiring of different companies is where I'm at at the moment. Like we have a particular skill set within growth and doing that. So like putting together that as like a real package that we can go and acquire percentages of businesses and then growing and then using like we have a couple of really, really good younger sales guys that are a hundred percent ready to kind of get their teeth wet and kind of have a project. Mm. Right. So it's like, I think a lot of people pigeonholed really good sales guys into sales roles because they're really good at sales and they make money, but those guys aren't going to stick around for a long time. Yeah. You know, Whereas it's like, if I have like 10 fucking savages that are just tearing the ass at everything they do, like, I don't have to do shit mm. except for like steer the boat, you know, and just be like, what are you guys doing over there? What are you guys doing over there? You know? Well, one so, of the issues like a lot of people have with like sales guys is because they're so good at what they do, they sometimes become self-serving. But one of the things that I noticed and I love about like you guys is that and I've noticed from every single one of you guys is there isn't much self-serving at all, if any. Like it's very, very much value-driven in the way that you go in that it's not looking to take, it's looking to give and it's looking to create. How have you managed to foster that sort of environment where every single one of your guys isn't just thinking about their back pocket, but also in the best interest of the client, the person they're dealing with on the other end of the phone? To be honest, I probably have to give a lot of credit to Jeremy for that. Jeremy's like my sales mentor. His methodology of selling just chills people the fuck out. Mm. Like it, it, it makes it like the conversations are so much more pleasant. And well, it's not like hoorah, like fucking Jordan Belfort, die or buy, you know, like yeah. that sort of shit. Yeah. One of your mates in the Gold Coast, you know what I mean? Fucking sales warlord, whatever his name is. Like, I mean, gold goods, they're all like effective sales techniques, right? But they have a tendency to exacerbate people's negative personalities. Right. The negative things in their personality. Like I remember like when I was doing a lot of more hard selling, I just became a fucking dick. Like True to that. my wife, to my friends, everyone. Cause I was so rough on people eight hours a day. You can't just like turn it off. You can't like. And it's like that feeling just like builds up within yeah. you when you're doing that shit and being combative all day, every day. Exactly. And so like my wife checked me. She was like, fuck, you're just becoming a dick. I was like, oh, I think you're right. And then like after a couple months of working with Jeremy, like I just chilled the fuck out and started getting more, making more money, making more sales. I never felt like I, I always felt like I was, I don't know, like not tricking people into sales, but like it was a fluke mm. because I was kind of flying by the seat of my pants and just trying to smash people into doing it. Mm. But then when I learned like the, his NEPQ, that neuroemotional persuasion questioning stuff, it was just a game changer. And everything just kind of leveled out, chilled out, communication became better. And then I became better at communicating with staff. I could teach them how to communicate better. Like they were happier because they were making more sales, but they were also making sales in a way that just was less stressful, you know? So I think like it comes from that, that's probably a large factor. And then we just have really, really strong role models at the top. We have an ex-SWAT cop, like a very experienced one. And then we have three special operators. Like so, dude, like special forces guys. Three ex special yeah. me, Ben, and Will. We're all like pretty experienced ex special forces guys, and so it's like we have a. And then Marco is like fucking LeBron. It's just crazy good at sales, mm. and then you got little Sackle is just fucking really good at communicating with people and kind of 
you know, understanding where they're coming from, what they're doing. So it's like we have kind of a leadership team, which is really, really mature and strong mm. and kind of driven, we're all driven towards like this, the messaging is always the same and all that kind of stuff. And it's grown gradually. So it's not any one thing, but then we've managed to keep the good people. Those good people then end up mentoring the younger people. And then we tend to attract a much younger crowd. And those young people are very impressionable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, well, if you get them young and they're very impressionable, then they just pick up all the good habits, you know? Instead of having to beat out the bad ones. Exactly. Like, I don't really want to recruit 35-year-old guys who have got 10 years of selling experience but are still kind of only okay. I'd rather recruit like a 20-year-old who's living at home with their parents, doesn't need money. Mm. Because then what I can do is I can go, okay, man, like I have to put a lot of time into you in order to make you good. In exchange for that, we'll still pay you. We can't pay you heaps because you're not going to be generating much revenue. Mm. But you can stress the fuck out. You don't, I mean, sorry, you can just chill out because you don't have many bills. You're fine. We will teach you the ways. And then as you get better and better, we'll give you more and more responsibility. So I got a cheesy question for you, man. So like, because you guys have only been going now for close, coming up to two years, right? Yeah. And you're already on your way to like, what's this month going to be? Like 1.7 million or something like that. You're going to do about that. I probably know your numbers better than you do. <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. One point. Yeah. Last month we did 1.5. Yeah. So the so one point five something like that. It's crazy growth, right? From zero to to, to doing that much money is, is a lot. Like cheesy, the cheesy part of the questions here is like if you had three things that you had to say as the reason why you had this much success in this, because most companies never get anywhere near that. Most companies don't even break shit. Most of them don't even break six figures, let alone seven figures, let alone eight. It's like why is it that you guys have been so successful in such a short space of time? I think first thing is definitely a hole in the marketplace for what we do, right? Like there's a real lack of quality salespeople. Just in general. So like, I feel like right place, right time in terms of like a boom of online education, online sort of businesses that want remote sales reps, right? So that was the reason why Sales Sniper, I think, grew so quickly. And because yeah, there's a, there's a need, there's a hole in the market. Second thing is I am relentless with content. Absolutely fucking relentless. I do more content than anyone, period. <laughs> like when it comes to like in the, in the, coaching space like i'm we're I'm not even we don't like sales snipers and sales coaching seventh level the other part of our so this side of our company is coaching right but like i've been doing free value-based no call to action content you can probably watch five new pieces of content every week and i've been doing that for two years right on youtube on podcast on facebook facebook group free live trainings I do free trainings for like other businesses, right? So like I'll go out like once every month or two months and I'll talk to a bunch of coaches and consultants in a program that like that brings people into our ecosystem. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so like I was just like, and when I when I brought on like a content sort of media company, I was like, the goal is if somebody knows who I am, they get better at sales for free. Mm. Right. And the sort of the trick was I made my money making commissions. So I didn't need to make any money from sales coaching. So therefore I could just give it all away for free. So that really kind of like allowed me to take market share in a relatively crowded market very quickly. Mm. Like I overtook everybody besides like the Cardones, the Belfords and this kind of stuff. I have nowhere near them, but like the sort of the realm that we were in, the coaching consulting realm, I managed to like, like sidestep 10 years of people. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then the last one, I think, is deal set. 
I worked personally so hard on getting good at sales. Like I worked so hard at it and I managed to become really successful, like top 0.1% successful in sales in terms of the industry that we're in. Right. So, and then that's like when the thing that's kind of like, I think like an unfair advantage in what I do is that when you can make somebody money, people notice, like people really notice much more than if you can give them a six pack. Or make them healthy, which is stupid because you know, being healthy is more important than having money. But like that's kind of the way it is. So I started getting really good results for people. And then people were like, holy fuck, what's that guy doing? And then from there, I was getting good results that got really notes. And from there, people were like, show me the ways, sir. And I was like, well, I don't want to charge you for coaching because I don't know how to coach people. So I was like, why don't you just, I'll just try and make you do what I do. But you just give me a little cut. Well, little something, something on the side. How about we do that? Performance driven. People were like, sweet. My cuts started to get bigger and bigger. <laughs> and then I just started to have people under me, you know, and that's essentially where sales sniper came from. That's cool. So, man. Yeah. That's kind of what, what I foresee as the reasons. And we're pretty aggressive. In what way? It'll uh, either make a billion dollars or fucking it'll blow up catastrophically. But Why are you so way, comfortable with that? Either way, it'll be a fun ride. Dude, I'm so good at selling. I never have to worry about anything. I could, I could go and sell fucking door to door HVAC systems, bro. I'd fucking crush it. <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, when you actually have, there was, there was a time where I noticed like I got so fucking good at coaching. I was like, I, I couldn't give a shit if we go broke because I know that I'll always be okay because people always pay me because I'm really fucking good at what I do. Yeah, that's exactly right. So like we had a, we had a, a call today for one of our inner circle programs and the guy sells like literally door to door in Australia, not door to door because they get told to come, but they sell water filtration systems. And he was struggling. I was like, ah, just let me fucking do it. I was like, okay, we'll do this. Went in, they were like, he's like, I've been selling this for years. I've never heard anybody do it like that. He goes, you would be the greatest salesperson in our company in a day. I was like, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm leading the show. Like I can sell fucking anything. I'm super good at it. <laughs> like, it's like the thing I'm best at. It's the one thing I'm really, really good at. That's it. Selling. Mm-hmm. And so like I, everything sales sniper could fall. If sales sniper fell apart tomorrow, I'd make more money. Not in the long term, but I would make... Oh man, I could easily pull 200 grand a month, hmm. like consistently every single month. Yeah. I'd make the same money, but I like, I wouldn't enjoy it. It gets super boring. What do you love? I just love growing things, you know, Why? classic, classic entrepreneur, like, you know, but I'm lucky that I've realized that. So then I don't burn it to the ground. A lot of entrepreneurs, they build and burn, build and burn. It's a real problem. <laughs> Well, and they burn like when they become bored and they just keep trying to grow and flog this horse until it has nothing left or what? People self-sabotage themselves, right? So unless you realize what you're good at and what you're not, I know what I'm good at and what I'm not. That's why I have James, why I have Ben, that's why I have Marco, right? So like I know what I'm good at and I stick to that. And then I put people in places that I really trust and that are really good at what they do and then remunerate them handsomely in order for doing the things that I suck at. You know, like without James, like I would fucking just be a good sales guy. Like that's really it. Like he's like, I need him to follow through on the things that I need to do. Cause my follow through is not good. Like, so, but I can come up with great ideas, solve all the problems, but I need someone to go away and do it because I just fucking get distracted. Totally. I'm exactly the same. So I got Sandra. Yeah. Exactly. Just fucking, what's that? What's that? Shiny object. Shiny object. <laughs> what's happening? But yeah. yeah, so like I just uh, I like I just know what I'm not good at. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs think they can do everything. Mm. And you have the entrepreneur that's super numbers focused, they get to a point and they just cap out. 
because they're so deep in the numbers, they can't see the bigger picture, right? And so I know how to read numbers. And I like numbers, but I also know what numbers I actually care about and what numbers I don't give a fuck about. Mm-hmm. No, because numbers matter at scale. Some numbers don't know right at scale. Some numbers are going to blow out and then come back. Yeah. Right. And sometimes you got to create a problem so you can fix it. Yeah. You know? Totally. So, and that's one of the reasons why you grow. And then you've got the guys who are so big picture, they just forget about the detail altogether. And then, or they're, they don't put someone in who's detail oriented. Mm. Or they put too many detail-oriented people in their business and there's a whole lot of handbrakes and not enough throttle, right? So a lot of businesses need a good fucking, they get to a point they cap out because there's no, the throttle isn't enough. So you need someone who's heavily driven, countered by someone who's actually, you need an accelerator you need a, and you need brakes. The throttle has to be stronger than the brake. Yeah, totally. Right? Like otherwise, so you can always creep forward. Like I know a lot of businesses and a lot of business owners that are just so in the numbers that they just they paralyze themselves into inaction and totally. they're always trying to fix small things when there's these giant problems in front of them that they don't do anything I'm about missing all the opportunities yeah. and you know what fucking yellow every now and then Jesus Christ fucking just go for it man it's the worst that can happen just fucking go for it well so last question man like what's your dream what do you want I want to be bigger than Cardone right so what Cardone's got I think is incredibly impressive like I think he's great He's got the things that Cardone did super well was like making his core team like they are have equity, they have profit shares. You know what I mean? They're making a fucking ton of money. Like his top four or five guys are all seven figure salary guys. Mm. So he remunerates super well. He has a phenomenal culture, mm. right? Phenomenal, right? It's not the culture I want, but it's very cool. It's very boiler room. Fucking right, like mine's going to be a bit more chill, right? And I just want to have a really fucking big team of super cool people who are all driven, and that I'd be happy to like when I go to a retreat. It's like, hey, fucking whoop whoop whoop, all the fun dancing, and then we all have boats, but I just have a big one. <laughs> That's important, huh? Key detail. Yeah, I have the biggest boat. I've had that chat with people before in our company. I'd be like, hey, man. Like, you got to be okay with me having the most amount of money. You got to be okay with it. I'm the guy. You could be the guy of your thing. You can't be the guy of this thing. No, it's already done. I'm already here. Right? So, like, if you want to be the guy, this is the right place for you. Long term. Mm. If we know that, it's fine. You can be here. I'll teach you anything you want to know. I don't care. You know what I mean? The world's a blue ocean. No such thing as competition. True that. Right? So, it's just like, come here. But, like, I just won't put certain responsibilities on you because eventually you're going to leave which is sweet, but there's just no point long-term, right? So try and be super clear with everybody. Let them know what's going on. I have, like We have a meeting every two weeks with the whole company, and I, I tell them everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm thinking, and try and be so everyone kind of knows where the vision's going. And to be honest, like at the moment, we're kind of in this little bit of a transitional period. So like the vision is like 90% clear, but I haven't really ironed out some of the detail because I've had so many ideas that are like very quickly coming to fruition, very quickly. I was like, man, I wonder if I can take some equity in businesses. And I had 10 deals on the table in seven days. I was like, well, that is good quickly. Obviously, we can't take 10. We can take maybe three, right? You know, so, but it's like, I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. I was like, sweet. Okay, now that I can do this, get that system rocking and rolling. Because that's a pathway that I can sell for three, four, or five, six hundred million. So it starts to kind of come together what I was thinking. So over the next year, it'll become more clear. But it's right now, the direction is, you know, it's not true north, but it's pretty close. That's awesome, man. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. Appreciate you, man.
Awesome, Dave. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more, click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.